in camp this week, would you stand up? Some of you come back from CFO. Some of you were out at Hosea. Caspian's the only one listening. Thank you. <laughs> They're standing. They're standing. Oh, Jeff, Jeff was listening. Look there. There's some back there. There was one. We had a great time at camp, didn't we? Yes, there we go. George, stand back up. George was our cook. He had great assistance. George, I'll pay you a compliment. Thank you. You guys may be seated. My son came home, and I said, well, what was one of the greatest parts of camp? And he said, well, we did a lot of great things. He said, but man, George can cook. And that's a high compliment. That's a high compliment. You know, when, when the facility and the food is good, it makes room for everything else. So they paved the way for you ladies. The ladies are going. Do you have an a, a invitation? Karen has one right here. Did you ladies get an invitation to Moments of Glory? It's in the foyer. Karis has one. So I want to make sure that you know about that. The youth broke it in, found all the issues. We fixed them. So you actually can stay overnight. It's a big sleepover, girls' party. There is a middle school camp and an elementary camp. Make sure that you, that you see that in here. But the big thing that's happening is VBA, wild, excuse me, wilderness. It will be a wild time. Wilderness adventure. Six o'clock tonight, this room starts getting transformed. Ten tribes, the Sahara Desert, I think, or something like that. <laughs> so you're invited if you want to come and help set up. Some of us play in the setup. But Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Now, you, Ted might say, I, VBS, I am with those types of people all day in the wilderness in the field. Not a part for me. But there is a part you can play. You can be praying. You can, a lot of you donated things to use. That's a way that you can participate. Many of you are leading. Many of you are participating. Those are ways that you can, can, can participate with us. On Tuesday, starting at 4.30, from 4.30 to uh, 5, thir 30, no, 4.30 to 6, we are going to be praying in the cafe if you would like to join us for um, Vacation Bible Adventure. That's another way you can, can join us. You do need to sign up. So if you didn't sign up, and it's for all ages, so there's, there isn't anyone too young to play, John McDermott. Right there. Uh, last week we took an offering for youth camp. It was Spotlight on Missions. I said we would take one again today, and we will do that uh, between uh, or after worship. We'll see. <laughs> I can't really say between things because you never know what the Lord's going to do. Amen? Amen. What, would you um, just reach over and take the hand of your neighbor? Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you. There's a team of, uh, they're part of our, our worship and prayer team is in Jacksonville at IHOP getting some uh, revelation and training. So, Father, you know that. You're with them. You, you pushed away the storm so that they could be, be down there receiving from you. And so uh, Rick's with his dad, and so, Lord, we speak that Big Ed's body will be healed in Jesus' name and that you will give those uh, doctors wisdom and, big, uh, and Rick wisdom as he ministers to his dad, as Paula, as she ministers to her family in Alabama. Lord, but you're here today. Just like you're there 
ministering to them. You're here today to, to work in our lives, to transform us, to reveal yourself to us, to fill us with your spirit. You're here that we could be a testimony of your glory. Lord, we join this movement of unity in prayer. The 777 that, that really commences this day into tomorrow of, of the nation coming together where we give you the glory. We declare that you're the one the power comes from. We give you all the honor. Lord, we thank you that we get opportunity to come together in unity for your, for your greatness, for your glory. We bless you. We bless you. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite you to worship. Johnny is there at the offering box. Um, someone said to me, wow, the offerings have been down, and I am just so excited that Haley Gibson is coming to train the office manager on the online giving because I really think last month's and this month's shortfall is recorded in the online, which we have to learn how to access. Haley's going to show us how to access that. So I hope in two weeks I'll be giving you a testimony that we've actually been on budget the last two months. I'm believing for that. Uh, you guys are faithful givers. Don't stop giving online. That's an exceptional way to give. We just have to learn how to interpret it. So, But we're going to do that. So, uh, But our offering, our giving that Aaron and Hannah and Johnny are back there at, uh, the offering box, that's a way to worship. With your tithes, if uh, you're giving offering, that's a way to worship. Right back here, there's a communion. It says communion station. Communion is a, a place to worship. Independently, you can take a family member, you can take a friend, but communion should be a place of worship. Some of you will raise hands and some of you will get prophetic words. Others of you are going to leap over these artificial boundaries of your chairs or, or this tape that helps us put the chairs down. Some of you will leap. Some of you will be healed. All, all of us will be empowered in our worship as as we reach out that heaven would come to earth can you do you want to you want to walk in that today i'm not going to say experience it because it's not momentary do you want to walk in that today heaven touching earth i want to walk in heaven touching earth ben can we walk in heaven touching earth today amen, amen. let's worship Like a mighty fortress is our God. Like a mighty fortress is our God. Enemies surround us, rising like a flood. They break into pieces. Dust. 
voices tear rejoices over us. He rejoices tear rejoices over us. We're dancing now, we're dancing now. No enemy could ever shake us. We're dancing now, we're dancing now. Upon the rock of revelation, we're dancing now, we're dancing now. No enemy could ever shake us. We're dancing now. We're dancing now upon the rock of revelation. We're dancing now, we're dancing now. No enemy could ever shake us. We're dancing now, we're dancing now. And upon the rock of revelation, we're dancing now, we're dancing now. Over us, 
So in Zephaniah, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. So we see, like, God is like, he's a warrior, but then there's like a time to be quiet, too, and just receive his love. And as we just, the way, the way that we do this is we just join, we just turn our focus to the Lord today. Father, we just choose to look at you and just see what you're doing. We just choose to forget about everything that is going on, like stuff that we feel like is coming against us or just all the problems. We just turn our eyes to you. Lord, just help us to see like you see. Shield. 
God reigns, and hallelujah, our God reigns forever all my days, hallelujah. So we just bless you right now in this place, Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Seen like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy. Bless the Lord. i 
just lift you up in this place because you're worthy. It's what we were created to do. Just bless you, Lord.
you're worthy, Lord. on the sun and the moon like horses driven by kings you cover the mountains the valleys below with the breath of your mighty wings on treasures of wisdom and things to be known hidden inside your hands turn of events ask me to be your friend ask me to be your friend and you you are my first you are my last you are my future swimming inside the breath of your desire where could I run where could I hide from your heart's jealous fire treasures of wisdom and things to be known are hidden inside your head 
this fortunate turn of events you ask me to be your friend friend you ask me to be your friend yeah and you you are my first you are my last you are my future and my past
Always reminded as we're just declaring that bless the Lord. If you just came in here this morning, just maybe heavy, or maybe just there's some things that um, you know that just have been on you, and and you're like, man, I don't know if I can really find things to bless the Lord in. I just want to remind you of Psalm 103. It says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of His benefits." who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who has redeemed your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Lord, I just, I pray that this morning, God, we're just going to go, I just want us to sing this song again, uh, bless the Lord, because and I think there's this declaration, you know, that, that you're going to, has to come up from within you. Just has to come up within you. Just going to ask if if, you, if we can just stand. I just want us to stand and declare this. If, if you're sitting, I know. I just felt like the Lord said we just need to do this together. There's something that God wants to take us to a, a level of of worship that declares even when we don't feel it, see it, hear it, whatever. There's a place that I've got to declare. Bless the Lord, all that all that's within me. Bless his holy name. So can we just sing this again just to declare it to him, just together as one in unity in the spirit. Let's do that. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I
lifted up, God, above all our circumstances against everything that would try to uh, speak in this world, God, you speak louder, God. Just pray we hear your voice this morning. Pray we hear your word this morning, God. We have ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, what the Spirit of God is saying in this place, Lord. And, and Father, I just pray that there, even as we go forward, even as there's a place that we get to hear your word and respond, God. I just pray, God, it would already be in us to respond, to bless the Lord, all, all that's within me, all that's within me. Bless His holy name, God. We don't want to forget your benefit, Lord. We don't want to forget that you saved our life from the pit, Lord. And maybe somebody in here needs their life saved from the pit this morning, God. I pray for salvation, for a, a revelation of how good you are, God. I just thank you that you crown our lives with your compassion and your loving kindness, God. I just pray some of us just need crown this morning, God. Just, just pray you just go and you just crown, Lord. Those that, Lord, don't know your loving kindness, that don't know your compassion, Lord, just crown them this morning. Or just need an extra measure of that this morning. I just pray you crown them right now. Just receive that crowning, God. Just receive that crowning, each of us, God. Just receive that crowning, God. Lord, I thank you that you heal all our diseases, Lord God, that you redeem that, Lord, that which has been stolen, God, you're going to redeem, God. We just declare that, God, healing in this place, life in this place, Lord. Lord, we don't forget any of your benefits, Lord. Our soul, we just declare, bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord, God. We just declare it, Lord. We thank you. Can you just do that? Can you just take a minute, just to just take a few minutes, just to bless him. Just bless you, Lord God. Take this opportunity to love on you, God. We bless you. You are awesome, Lord God. High and lifted up, God. Faithful and true, Lord. That's who you are, God. That's who you are, Lord. Bless you, the mighty one of Israel. Name above all names, God. Name above all names, Lord Jesus. Worthy, God. Holy, God. Righteous are you, Lord God. Holy and righteous are you, Lord Jesus. Bless your holy name, God. Bless your name, Jesus. Jesus. love you this morning. We just honor you, God, even just now as we just take opportunity, God. I just pray that you would just prepare, Lord, as you've been preparing our lives, as we've blessed you and honored you and worship, God. I pray we bless you and honor you and the receiving of your word, just the hearing your word, God, and not just taking it for granted, Lord, not saying, Lord, I've heard that, but Lord, and, and, and I know that, but God, receiving the word, Lord, the living word, the active word of God, that, Lord, implanted saves our souls, saves us to a place that we can live life for you. 
and live it abundantly for you. So, Lord, we receive your word this morning. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Bless the Lord this morning. Good morning. Welcome to Dwelling Place. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to um, take your bulletin right fast, and I want you to turn it to the front. I'm going to say to you, happy 4th of July. It's always a great time for us to honor Men and women who have served our, our country, you've served us. Um, I, I posted something yesterday that we live in a free country because of the brave. And so I'm, I'm going to ask to be as so bold to ask you to stand if you have served or are serving, um, serving us. I know Ted's going to stand. Oh, Rob, they're standing on the side. Can you help me honor these men? Their families. We say thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So Rob actually drew the picture that is on the front of the bulletin. And I, I could not wait um, till he's the artist in residence there in the cafe to use it. Um, he actually drew this last week during worship, and Emily uh, was able to get it on the front of the bulletin, and I highlight that to you. This Saturday is uh, DP Studio, um, Saturday morning, and um, Ron brought some artwork back, uh, the artwork on the furthest end of the, the uh, bulletin strip there uh, was part of the camp at CFO, and um, DP Studio is a great place to explore and to try. And uh, just like coming to the, the healing meeting on Monday night will be a great place to explore. I'm looking for Brandon to say, yes, it is Monday night. I'm going to go ahead and say there's a healing meeting on Monday night. It's the first Monday. Oh, it's the second Monday. Oh, I'm wrong. But anyways, those are great, great times to get stirred up. So I want to encourage you that. We are going to take an offering. I know that we took an offering last week. There was a lot of people gone, but just emphasizing the importance of raising up the next generation. You don't have to give twice. You can, but you don't ever have to. Offering is a place of joyfully giving, willing, led by the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we thank you that we have opportunity to invest, to invest. And, Lord, we make that choice today to invest in the kingdom to invest in the young people that you're raising up as men and women of God. Lord, we ask for your guidance. Lord, we had a phenomenal week at camp. We're believing for a phenomenal week of, of VBS, and we're believing for a phenomenal week for these people going to living waters. Lord, we're believing that you're going to speak phenomenally to us today, to us today. Amen? Amen. Tom, part two. Okay, can you hear me? All right, we're good. It's good to see everyone this morning. 
I kind of figured everyone would be gone on a long 4th of July weekend. It's, it's nice when the 4th of July is on a Friday, isn't it? You don't have to think about getting up the next morning early. That's, all, that's exciting. And, you know, a lot of people have to go to work always, oftentimes after the 4th, and that's, t- that's tough. Um, I'm really excited this morning. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm excited because I get to, you know, share the word of God. Um, that, that, although that's true, I'm really excited because all my kids are coming in town this week. You know, um, a father loves it when his kids come home, and we're just going to hang in, in the father's house. You know, and I just, I have to say that, you know, that, that's exactly how our Heavenly Father is. He wants to hang with us. You know, I, and I, I heard the Lord say this morning, you know, He delights in you. And I, I know that there's somebody who needs to hear that this morning, but God the Father delights in you. Not you, plural, you individually, you he delights in you. All right, how many were here last week? I mean, uh, not, wow, not that many. Okay, well, um, a number of you were, were not here last week, and unfortunately, I can't go and I'm not going to re, reshare the word, what I shared last week. But what, what I did as I initiated this, this whole idea, or not an idea, I mean, it's in the Word of God, so it's not really an idea, it's a truth, that, uh, that faith, there is a law of faith. And I started, I'm just going to kind of recap of just a few things, important things, before I move on. That, you know, God is governed, I mean, he's set up this whole universe, the earth and the universe, to be governed by law. I mean, everything would completely fall apart if it was not, if it did not obey laws. And we talked about things like gravity, right? I mean, just think if it was what the world would be like if we didn't have gravity right now. I mean, it would be crazy. Um, so God has set up, all things, including his kingdom, to be governed by law. And law means that it's not, we often think of law as a a restriction oftentimes, right? Or you can't do that, or something you have to, you know, adhere to. But really, a law means it's something that is fixed, that God has ordained. It doesn't change. It's completely, it's, you can depend on it. Law is something you can completely depend on, because it's not going to change. That's exactly how God is. And that's exactly how the law of faith operates. So we need to understand, and if we're going to appropriate faith, we have to understand how it operates. If we don't understand how it flows and how the release of God's power occurs, then how can we see it happen? So that's important. And we, because the, import, the other thing is, with regard to this, now here the flip side is that uh, not really the flip side, but that if, when we operate in faith, there is no bound. In other words, there really is no law that can, cons- can constrain faith. In other words, it's not bound by physical law. It's not bound really by the, by the law. Of, we talked about the law of Moses, the law with a capital L in the word of God. It supersedes all of that. And that's the exciting thing because the, the law of the life of, of, of the spirit of Christ Jesus is, is freedom. It's complete freedom. But we have to understand that there's still, the way we operate is fixed. Okay? So don't get the idea that law is a restriction or anything like that. Get, think of it as a constant. And that we have to flow in the understanding of that in order to see it fully released. I think oftentimes we think, you know, we religion, you know, we think in a religious way, which is really the law of man. 
how man appropriates God or how, how, we, how man's idea of God. That's religion. And we have to get away from that mindset. So I want to pick up where we left off last week. And really, I want to talk about what, what are the hindrances then? I mean, in other words, why aren't we seeing oftentimes the, the power of God manifests on a continual basis? Why aren't we seeing, you know, super, supernatural healings on a regular basis? Why aren't we seeing signs and wonders on a regular basis? And I believe a lot of times, I'll say this, it's not God. God is not the bottleneck in this process. We're not, it's not, we're not waiting for God to do something. That's not it. God is waiting for us to appropriate, I believe, appropriate faith rightly. And I think there's things that we do to hinder the flow of faith. Okay? Remember, faith is a substance. We saw last time. Faith there's, is real. And it's cherished. It's valuable. It's more precious than gold, according to God. And the interesting thing is God has given us a power and authority through his death and resurrection. Let's look at these first. Go back, please. Right here, these first two scriptures. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He spoke this, you know, right before he was he ascended into heaven. So we have to understand that Jesus has all power and authority here on the earth and in heaven. And the interesting thing is, but he's given us authority. Look at Luke 10, 19. It says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And listen to this. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will injure you. He has given us all authority over the devil, over all his authority, over all his power. Now you think, well, that's just, I don't understand that. That's really a big deal. Now, I'm not going to chase this rabbit today, but I will say this. The only power that Satan has over us is the power we give him. The only power that he has is the power we give him. You know, we think of this as he's got this angelic power. He lost his angelic power when he fell. The power he has is when he dwells in a human flesh. That's where he gains his power, through deception, through lies. And when we start agreeing with Satan instead of agreeing with the word of God, that's when he can do his damage, right? Strongholds, demonic oppression. And so I'm not going to chase that rabbit today, but we have to understand that. Um, so let's move on then, and I want to start begin talking about the five hindrances that, of, of faith. And I'm going to kind of touch on each one of these. I'm not going to certainly go into e detail in each one of these, but I hopefully will give you an idea of where, um, just give us some understanding and foundation for some of these things. So I'm going to talk about doubt and unbelief. Okay, clearly, doubt is an enemy of faith. Okay, um, lack of knowledge and understanding. Simply, we just don't know. I mean, and that's legitimate, right? That we just don't understand. Sin. <laughs> Clearly, that's, that's a, that can be a hindrance, right? Sin is missing the mark. And here's the, the, the last two I think are really important. Um, and, and, and our hearts condemn us. Be, and it's really interesting, and it's some of the things the Lord showed me through this, and I want to spend some time on that one, because I think that's a really big issue. And the last one is Satan. And I want to just point out to us that more, I don't want to spend time with Satan per se, but I want us to understand that we have authority over him. And, and I want us to see that some of the truth in that because it's really big, because I think it will give us victory. Because a lot of the times I think we kind of quake at, at the thought of that. 
and, uh, and we need to put, understand our position of authority over him. All right, so let's begin then in doubt and unbelief. Now, doubt, if you've been hanging around dwelling place, you know that doubt means what? Divided judgments, right? It's divided judgments. And we see here in Mark 11.23 that where do they reside? They reside in our heart, okay? It says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and what? Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. So doubt, I mean, if we do not doubt, it will be granted. Now, with, oftentimes when we don't see something happen, we have to ask ourselves, is, do I really believe? Because what happens, if we look at the James verse, look at, let's look at this too. It says, but he may ask in faith, and this is referring to wisdom. Is my battery gone? Oh, okay, there we go. Uh, but he, you know, and this is important because I want to bring this up a little bit later. But what he's asking, Lauren, here is when you ask for wisdom specifically, he says, when you ask in faith without any doubting, without any doubting. Okay, that's important. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man, what? Ought not to expect to receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. Now, it's interesting from a couple standpoints here. First of all, he says, if there's any doubt, all right? And oftentimes, then, we have to ask ourselves, when we ask, when we ask for the Lord, first of all, are we, are we asking appropriately? And we'll get into more of that. And if I don't receive from the Lord, am I not asking with really faith? Do I have doubt? Do I have divided judgments? Is there doubt in my heart? And oftentimes, we'll see that our response is often dictates, you know, what really is in our heart when we pray. What is the outcome after we pray? It says in Mark, that verse in Mark says, believe that it has happened, it's going to happen, it will be granted him. We're going to spend a little more time talking about that as we move on. But the thing is, doubt is the enemy of, of faith. And if we doubt, it's a law of faith. If we doubt, if there's any doubt, when we pray, we shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. He says we're unstable. We're double-minded. Well, that's harsh, right? Man, that's really brutal. <laughs> you know, and he says we're unstable not just in the way in what we're thinking, but in all our ways. Because we're, we're just able to be tossed by the, you know, by the surf. And I know that, you know, I, I, when I was, last year, when going through this whole thing with my son-in-law, I mean, it's just, it was so real to me. I just felt like I was being tossed around like a rag doll because I would look oftentimes by my eyes, by what I would see instead of the eyes of faith. Because faith is not by, it's not by sight. Faith is, is something, is, is projected into the future. In other words, uh, the hope of knowing that we, what we ask for, we have. It's not what we see. Okay, and oftentimes we, when we pray, we expect immediately to see a result. And when we don't, we go, oh, no. And I'm going to, I'll spend, I'll give you some more examples of this in a little bit. So, because what happens is oftentimes, again, we typically judge by our senses based on what we see. And again, faith is not by what we see. Faith is not by our sight. Faith is in the unseen. And we have to get a hold of that. 
have to realize that. Let's look at the scripture in Matthew 17, 14 to 21. I know it's a big, long one, but let, let me, there's important things in here. It says, uh, when, they came, when, he, uh, when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus and falling on his knees before him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic. <laughs> Imagine calling your son a lunatic. I mean, and he's very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. This is big. He says, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. I mean, immediately. Dude, the disciples probably looked at Jesus and going, the disciples came up to Jesus privately and said, why could we not drive it out? And he says, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. And in verse 21, it's in parentheses here, it says, but this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Now there's a number of really important principles and concepts about the law of faith in here. Um, first of all, let's, go, let's move back up and, and look at Jesus' exasper, exasperation first. All right? he, was, he was frustrated. He was exasperated. And I think not, not so much with the people as much as his own disciples. And now he was saying, he talked about the generation. But I think that he expected more from his disciples. He expected them to believe because what? They've been hanging with Jesus. What? They had a knowledge of who he was. Right? And he says, you perverted generation. You know, that word perverted is not like what we think of today, perverted like some kind of a sexual thing. It's not that at all. It means really misinterpret. It means to misinterpret. They, in other words, they misinterpreted something. In other words, they misunderstood. They had a lack of knowledge. All right, and we will talk about that. That's one of the five things, the hindrances. So he says, how long am I going to put up with you? And we can see here in verse 20, he says, the littleness of your faith. Now, faith, remember, we all are given the same measure of faith. It's just how do we appropriate that faith? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So it really, the faith, remember, is the release. It's agreeing with what God has already done or promised by grace. It's really an agreement with God. It's appropriating what he's done or promised by grace. So it's not something, you know, that we have to fire ourselves up. Remember we said last time that our faith isn't going to, to move God. Our faith simply is an agreement with what God has already done. Okay. And so we see here, so the littleness of our faith is really the bottleneck of flow. He's saying that what's being bottled up here, why isn't it flowing? And it's because of unbelief. It's true, it's because of unbelief. Unbelief will kill us. Now, here's what I really believe happened. It says, now, in verse 21, this really is the key, because it says, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Now, we can get really religious about this and say, oh, we have to pray and fast sometimes in order for the demons to come out. So we, what? We go into prayer and fasting. We could, because we think that by prayer and fasting, that's the answer. That's not, what the, he's, it's not at all what Jesus is saying here. 
what does fair, prayer and fasting do? What's the, what's the purpose of prayer and fasting? It's to get what? Our mind focused on the things of God so that we can hear him. So we get our mind away from the junk of this world, get our, our mind away from our natural senses into faith. And he was saying, and here's what I really believe happened. I'm reading between the lines here, so you have to grant me a little grace. But what I really believe happened is that, you know, Jesus had given the disciples authority to heal the sick, right? And I think that there was, like, every time they prayed, boom, the person was delivered, healed, every single time, except this one. And I think they prayed, and the demon didn't leave, and I think they panicked. And they went, oh, my goodness, it didn't work. So what immediately happened, instead of operating in faith, what? Faith says, it's done, even if I, what, don't see it. And they didn't operate in faith because they were looking at what? The natural. They were looking at with their eyes, and they didn't see that the guy got healed, and immediately they panicked, and their faith just withered up. And that's why Jesus is saying, this will come out by prayer. You've got to get your eyes focused on the right thing. You had your eyes focused on the wrong thing. You're looking at the outside. You're looking with the natural man, with the senses. You have to look with spiritual eyes that he's been he's healed and believe. And they didn't do it. And that is why, that is why Jesus said, it's the littleness of your faith. It's not steadfast because you're, you're, you're just being tossed about. When you don't see what you want to see, it's failure. And that's not truth. It's when you speak. That's truth. Hallelujah. Another thing, too, with regard to unbelief is that corporate unbelief is, can, will inhibit the power of God from manifesting as well. And I'll just give two scriptures here. And Mark uh, 6, 5, and 6, we see this. And, and Jesus himself, in his hometown, he says he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered, or that word is marveled, at their unbelief. Okay? He marveled at their unbelief. In other words, even Jesus. Now, if, if, come on. If, if Jesus is, can't perform miracles, I mean, we're, it's, a, it's a bad road. Okay? Right? We're in a bad place. And, you know, if it, so if, if that just goes to show, though, the power of a corporate belief or unbelief. And this is also, if we go on to this Luke's scripture, this is exactly why Jesus chased everybody out of the room when he was raised this dead, uh, um, this dead girl. He says, let's look in verse 49 here. It says, while he was still speaking, this is re referring to, you know, the, uh, Jesus was on his way to this person's home, and he got interrupted by the woman who was, you know, had the blood issue. And uh, during that whole escapade there, uh, you know, he got waylaid, and then he, he finally came, and he says, came to the house of the synagogue official and saying, your daughter has died, do not trouble the teacher anymore. And of course, Jesus heard this. And he says, while Jesus heard this, he answered them and says, do not be afraid any longer. Only what? Believe. Only believe. That's the only thing. I mean, that's all we, that's, you know, that's the work of God, to believe. To believe. And she will be made well. And he, when he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James, all right, and the girl's father and mother. Now, why do you think Peter, John, and James, first of all? Well, I really believe, that, you know, those were three guys that I think Jesus clearly was closest to. And he knew, Jesus knew there was something in them that believed. 
of course, we know that Thomas was, what, a doubter, right? I don't, I don't uh, you know, I'm not taking that name on, but I'm not doing that. But, uh, but, you know, he knew that there were some of his disciples that weren't in the same place as Peter, John, and James. So he wanted people that would believe and agree with him. And his, these three disciples he brought with him, all right? And the girl's mother and father. And so they were all weeping and lamenting, but he said to them, stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. He said this to the whole group of people that were there, probably all the friends and relatives. And they began, what? Laughing at him, knowing that she had died. Now, why were they laughing? Unbelief. It's all unbelief, right? And he said, however, he took the hand and, you know, and the thing is, he went into the room, and he didn't let anybody else in there except, again, the mother and father. Why? Because of their unbelief. He had to get himself in a place where there was what? Where the unbelief was put out so that this child could be made well. And so he took her by the hand and said, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he gave orders for her to give something to eat. Now, I always find that interesting. I don't fully understand that, but, you know, it's really interesting that God always gives orders for them to have something to eat. And I've, I've, I've heard, too, I mean, from people who have seen um, other people raised from the dead. They're hungry. And I don't, under, I don't fully understand that, but that's, re, that's reality. So Jesus knew that. Well, she's going to be hungry. Give her something to eat. That's just a little side issue. Okay. All right. Lack of knowledge. This is a biggie. Let's move on to lack of knowledge here and understanding, really. Um, I, I talked last time about natural laws, you know, and I said that, if you recall, I told, let's use electricity, for example. You know, there's laws, Ohm's law governs how electricity flows. You know, well, 200 years ago, we didn't understand Ohm's law. Now, does this mean that the laws of electricity didn't exist 200 years ago? Uh, no, of course not. The laws of electricity have, what, been around since the creation. They haven't changed. What's changed? Our understanding, our knowledge of how electricity flows, of how it flows effectively, of what hinders it, how to apply resistance, how to understand, you know, current. I mean, it, it's, we understand how the law operates today, and that's why we have lights, that's why we're able to have self, you know, your beloved cell phones, and all of that. It's because we understand how the law operates. And as we gain knowledge, what we're able to do more and more. Right? Well, it's the same way with the law of faith. If we lack understanding and how to operate in it, we're going to what? Probably not be able to flow. Because we lack understanding. We lack knowledge. So it's important that we gain knowledge. Let's look at some scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 15.34 says, Become sober-minded as you ought. And stop sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. In other words, we, we sin because why? We, oftentimes we lack knowledge. We go, oh, am I not supposed to do that? I mean, you think about like a new believer oftentimes. So they, just, they don't know. They love God, but you, know, you go, well, you marvel sometimes at what they're still doing. You go, you know. But we have to understand that they just, they just lack knowledge. They're just little babies. But, you know, we at a point, we have to grow up. 
we have to start learning. If we want to flow faith, it, we have to understand how f- faith flows. Let's look at Matthew 13, 19. This is big, and I'm going to come back to this later, too, because this is a big one. Um, this has to do with the parable of the sower and the interpretation that Jesus gave his disciples. It says, when, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been planted or sown in his heart. You know, that is so big. So you know, we have to understand, we have to gain understanding in order for the word to become a reality. In other words, for it to become knowledge. We have to understand before we can know. You know, as a teacher, um, you know, I can't, I can't teach something before I understand it. You know, I have to know it. You know, I have to understand it. I mean, understanding precedes knowledge. And so until we know it, and we know it in the depths of us, or understand it in the depths of us, then we know it, and then we can what? Believe it and teach it. And it's the same way with knowledge. We have to know, we have to first understand before we can fully know. All right? And the thing is, here, and we get a lot of great teaching at Dwelling Place. We really don't have any excuses because we are given rich stuff. You know, but the thing is, can we receive it? Do we receive it? Do we understand it? And the thing is, that comes from putting our face in the Word and, and, and reading the Word and believing. Ephesians 1.17 says that our God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, what, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. We need to ask God for a spirit of revelation and knowledge so that we can see and understand him. That's one of the things, that's a law of faith, that to, ask, to know what to ask for and what not to ask for and understand that we have authority in. Those are two different things. But asking for wisdom and revelation is something that we should be doing continuously. God, I want a revelation of the truth. I want to know. Listen to what Paul says about himself here in 2 Corinthians. He says, but even if I am unskilled in speech, now clearly, I mean, we know that this to be true because, I mean, Paul would just kind of blather on oftentimes all night long and people fell out of the windows and died and had to be raised from the dead. It's just because he would just probably kind of, you know, he would just kind of get long-winded. But it's okay. He, he knew that he was unskilled in his speech. But listen what he says. Yet I am not so in knowledge. Meaning he, he knows what he knows. He understands what he knows. And he's saying, I'm putting it forth. I'm, I, I fully understand these things, he's saying. And I'm giving them to you. So in, in, in fact, and he says, in every way, we have made it evident to you in all things. Now, that's really something. He says, I've, how do you make ev- knowledge evident? Because knowledge precedes our ability to believe. We have to know before we can believe, oftentimes. Or we certainly have to believe and then gain a knowledge we have to, they have to work together. And when they work together, the power of God flows. And when the power of God flows, we see miracles. And that's what I think Paul's talking about here. He said, in everything, in every way, I've made it known to you. How? We've, because the power of God's been displayed. The power of God falls wherever Paul went. The power of God was there. And it was, it's, 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 that's what I believe that God's desiring for us to walk in. 
All right, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? Yeah, what, what is Paul talking about here? He's saying that you know our hearts have to be prepared to receive un- understanding. We have to have our, our, our hearts in a right place. You know, if we're operating, you know, if our swivel chair is in the flesh, we're not going to be able to understand. We're going to operate as what? Fleshly human beings. And then what's going to happen then is the word of God is going to be relegated to simple truths because that's all we're able to really handle. And the simple truths, there isn't going to be the fullness of all that God has purposed for us. He desires for us to get to a place to mature as men, be able to eat meat, okay? Go from vegetarian to meat. Go from milk to meat. I'm not, I'm not you know, saying anything against vegetarians. I'm really not. Um, so we need, to, we need to grow up. We need to start operating in the things of the Spirit in order for us to what? Understand the fullness of what God has for us. Here's the goal. Ephesians 4.13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, what? A, t- a mature man. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. He, that's, the, that's the goal. The full stature of Jesus. That we represent Jesus in faith. That we operate in faith to the fullness. You know, and I said earlier, it's important to, to know what to ask for. And if we look through the word of God, there's things that we can ask for, things like harvesters. Lord, send harvesters into the harvest field. There's, we can ask for wisdom. The Lord says to ask for understanding. Ask for revelation. These are the types of things we can ask for. But you know what is, is ominously not there? Healing. Jesus never said to ask for healing anywhere in the scriptures. Why not? Because he's already given us power and authority over sickness. He's already given us that measure. And that's why he's saying, you know, if we look at this, in Mark eleven twenty three, let's go back there. We talked about it already before. It says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Now, again, a mountain is, it may very well be, a, you know, the actual mountain. I mean, that's how big the faith can do. But a mountain is any obstacle in our life. Anything. And a sickness certainly is an obstacle. Okay? Be taken up and cast into the sea. In other words, tell that thing where to go. Really, that's what he's saying. Tell it where to go. He's not saying, you know, you know ask God and plead with God. That's not at all what, what he's saying. In fact, that's completely, I mean, really ineffectual. And it's violating the law of faith. Faith is saying, you, we have to understand who, what the power that's living within us. And take authority by what the word of God says. And he says, take that thing up and cast into the sea. Take that sickness and be gone. We have authority. God has given us authority over sickness. He's given us the authority and the power. 
But he says, listen to what he says, but he believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. That here, and I, just like I always said before, you have to believe when you pray, not when you see a physical result with your senses. You believe when you pray. Okay, and if, here's the thing. I mean, this comes back to the whole doubting idea because oftentimes, and I know I've been guilty of this too, and I was guilty of this with my son-in-law because I would pray, believe in, and thinking I was operating in faith, and then when I didn't see a result, I was like, I was just like tossed by the winds of the waves. You know, and I just, I, and that's not faith. That's not faith. Faith says I'm standing and believing even though I don't see. You know, and it's a two-way street, too, because the one we pray for, we need to, they need to think positively. We need to believe positively. We, we need to be in agreement. We're only going to see results when we're, when we're in agreement with God, in agreement with our healing. And if we just act sick, we're going to what? Be sick. We need to say, you know what? He prayed for me. I'm going to start believing this and start walking in it. We need to begin responding differently and not going by what we see. You know, God is outside of time. You know, oftentimes we just don't immediately see the results. You know, sometimes it's because God is causing us, we'll see here, to, to want to just persevere. Or because he's doing things in our heart. You know, through faith and perseverance. But he says in Matthew eleven twenty four, 24, he says, Therefore I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. We just have to believe when we pray, not by what we see. Faith isn't about what we see. It's about what we believe in our heart to know what you know is true. But again, we have to respond positively. Is that when we continue to act sick and go, thank you for your prayers, buddy. But, you know, I don't feel any different. So, bless you. That's not how it is. We have to say yes. And we have to respond Jesus said in Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. That's how he told us to respond to the devil. That's how he told us to respond to what the devil has done in this earth, brought sickness. He told us, it's, you know, it's a command. Heal. He didn't say, ask me to heal. You heal. We need to get that right. You know, I think we've been, as a church as a whole, has been praying wrong. And we wonder why we don't see results. We're in violation of the law of faith. We have to begin praying correctly in order to see the flow of God, the flow of power, because that's a law of faith. It doesn't change. I mean, God is rooting us on saying, I want you to pray correctly, but, you know, he's not going to violate his word. He's not going to say, well, I understand what your heart is, so it's okay, I'll, just, I'll, I'll do it this time and you can be healed. No, God is, God is actually bound by his own word. That's how he, that's, his word is, is everything. And so unless we are I mean, praying and operating according to his word, we're just simply not going to see the result. And again, sometimes I said we have to persevere, even when we don't see. Look at this in Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. It says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope, hope until the end. I'm going to talk more about that too. So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience 
faith and patience. They work together. Inherit what? The promises. If we really believe that our healing is a promise from God, and, and we just don't, you know, we don't see the result right away, you know, we just have to stand and say, you know what? I receive, I've, I believe I've been healed. And remember, God is outside of time. And we just have to continually agree with God and, and, and believe for the manifestation of that. You know, I had a back injury. You know, and I believe, you know, years ago, I mean, a really severe one, because I had this, I had, you know, doctors diagnosed me with this degenerative disc disease. I think the same thing that Mark has been dealing with. You know, and I just, I just, when I, I know I had surgery and everything, but I just really believed that God was going to heal me about, you know, with regard to that. And I still had a tremendous amount of pain after, you know, after the surgery. But, you know, I don't take pain, I just don't, I personally don't take pain meds. And I, I think I might have taken pain meds for one day, and I said, I'm not going to do this. And I went to work the next day. I mean, I went, I went home for one day, and I went back to work the next day, because I was just going to believe for my healing. And, and I, I did go to physical therapy, but, you know, I'm, today I'm, my back is, ba- is pain-free. But I have this nerve damage in my leg, and I know Brandon knows about that. He's been prayed for me a number of times. Um, but I am, I'm believing, I am claiming, I'm not saying that God hasn't healed me. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm believing that I am healed. Again, we've got to remember that God is not in our time. We always view things in a time frame. But we have to claim what God has already done, I believe, in us and w- begin walking it out and acting it out. So I'm not going to act like I'm, I'm limited. I'm, I'm going to respond in a positive way in agreement. And I am believing in my lifetime, when I don't know, but I am believing because I'm claiming it, because I serve an awesome God. And I'm believing I'm going to see my healing. I believe it. I'm, I'm not, so I'm not saying, God, heal me. I'm not, that's not what I'm praying. I'm already in agreement. I'm agreeing that I am healed. And there's a difference there, a big difference. And we need to understand that. All right, let's move on. Sin, number three. Whew. I don't think this one needs a whole lot of, uh, you know, I think we understand what sin is, right? Sin is what? Missing the mark. Right? Sin is missing the mark. But there's some things about sin, I think, that can keep us in bondage other than the sin itself. It's, it's, the, it's what we, how we perceive sin or how we perceive God feels about us with regard to our sin is probably more appropriate. See, death, a separate, sin is, the wages of sin is death. All right? And we think, oh, death, that's awful. You know, and it's, it's death, it's spiritual death. But it's it, it, that death is really it's, it's separation from God, and it and the thing is we have to make clear here, and I, I want to make clear is that God is not means He's separating from us; it's our separation from God, and I think that's really important because we need to understand that God is always for us. He said, "I will never leave you or forsake you." Doesn't mean that it's conditional. That's a, you know when Jesus said, "You know, confess your sins." Uh, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You know, the first part of that we get, he's faithful, but there's just, the just side of that is just as big. He has to forgive us our sins because his word claimed that he would. He would be unjust not to forgive us our sins. Do you, do you even, is that, that's huge. He, 
his, he has to uphold his word. His word says that we have already, he's paid for our sins, every sin, today, tomorrow, forever. Even, not only ours, but for the sin of the whole world. And I said last week, it's not because of sin that people are going to hell. Jesus already paid for everyone's sin. They were going to hell because they refused the Savior to actually set them free from their sin. And Jesus. And when we have Jesus, there is no separation from God except what we believe in our own, what? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's because sin does separate, but it's because we, we can't see, because sin blinds us. Sin causes us to go in a different direction. Sin causes us to walk in a different direction from where God is. And so we don't see him. You know, when Jesus hung on the cross, I lo- there's a lot of teaching that suggests that, you know, when Jesus hung on the cross and took our sins and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They actually think that God forsook him, that he turned away. And that's not it at all. Jesus had such a close relationship with God that all of a sudden, when all that sin was on him, what? The sin, he couldn't see God. He couldn't hear him any longer because of the sin. It's not that God forsook him at all. God was always there. But sin separates. It keeps us from hearing. It keeps us from seeing. It keeps us from knowing the things of God. You know, my wife always you know, accused me. Not accused me. I don't want to say that in a bad way. But if... <laughs> But if I, you know, if we're, not, if we're like in the same, we can be in the same room together, and if I'm focused on something that, you know, like really focused intently on something, she can be talking to me like two feet away, and, and, and she'll say, Did you, do you understand what I'm saying? And I, I go, what, what? <laughs> and and I, I haven't even heard, I didn't even hear her. I mean, and she was like two feet away from me. You know, and sin can be like that. See, what sin it gets us focused on the flesh, gets us focused in the things, our us, our, our selfishness, that we, God can be two feet away and we won't hear him. That's exactly what sin does. Yeah, two inches, it could, it could be in our face. See, that's how sin separates. It, we, we often get this idea that God is rejecting us. God is never rejecting us. He's always loving us. Even through our sin, he's loving us and calling us and wanting us to come to him. And we need to get that idea and understanding. But religion, what religion has done over the years is we think, oh, I've got to perform for God. God's only going to love me if I behave or I do things right. And that's not it at all. See, that is a lie. But sin does separate, but it's not God separating from us. It's us that is separating from God because we're deciding to go in a different way. Sin keeps us from recognizing God. Not only recognizing, but understanding His will and and His purposes. You know, when Jesus told Peter, He says, get behind me, Satan. Why did He say that? What was Peter speaking? He was speaking out of his own what? Flesh and understanding, his own expectations, his own worldly expectations. He was saying, Jesus, you can't go to the cross. I believe that you're the one who's going to redeem Israel. That was his expectation. Why? It was something in his flesh. He didn't understand. He lacked knowledge. And Jesus said, get behind me. You don't have the interests of God. You have your own interests. You know, it's the same way. We can see this in the word. It says, John 1.10 says, he, Jesus, was in the world, 
And the world was made through him, and the world, what, did not know him. In other words, if you look at that up, did not know, did not recognize. When we're in sin, you know, fallen from God, we can't recognize Jesus. We can't see. Why? Sin blocks us, keeps us from recognizing. And it's the same way when we're a believer. If we want to move on and grow in the fullness that all God has for us, sin will keep us from recognizing all that God has purpose for us. You know, if we question what our purpose, if we don't understand where we're going within God, yeah, God, I don't understand my purpose. Let's start evaluating ourselves a little bit and say, Lord, you know, if, if, am I missing the mark somewhere where I'm just failing to see what you have for me? Because I've been, you know, walking in, my, in the selfishness of my own life. Because I'm missing the mark. Because missing the mark means we're not going to hit the, the plan and the purpose, the steps that God has purposed for us. Let's, again, let's look at this in Luke 24, 13 to 16. It says, and behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus. This is after Jesus had died and was resurrected. But the two were going, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other, all about the things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached them and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Now, why is that? Was it because that Jesus looked all that different? Maybe he did. I don't, we, I don't really fully know. But the reason is because they had wrong expectations. Because they had, again, selfish. They had got man expectations about who God was supposed to be about Jesus. And that's the thing. That's what religion is. And religion is never going to work. I mean, Jesus <laughs> blasted the religious leaders, right, because of their thinking. We, God's calling us to operate in faith. See, sin just keeps us deaf and blind. It's really the bottom line. Keeps us deaf and blind. Jesus said, draw near to, in James 4, 8, it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, um, that in or, in, you know, we have to first draw near to God before he draws near to us. What happens is when we finally turn in God's direction, he's there. Just like the prodigal son. I mean, the, the father was always longing for the son. He probably got up every day to look down that road to look for his son. And when he finally saw him, saw that his son had come, he ran down the road, open arms. Didn't matter what he had done. Didn't matter. Number four. You know, this is a huge one. You know, and I, I can testify to this because this is a lot of my life, this is me that our hearts condemn us, that causes us to lose confidence before God. Let's look at this scripture in 1 John. There's a couple scriptures here. It says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now, he, John wouldn't have said that if it wasn't possible that we could, what? Condemn us. If we could condemn ourselves. And religion condemns. And we get very religious with ourselves. And I think that when we blow it, I know that when I blow it, I think, oh, God, you can't possibly love me. You know, and that's as far from the truth as possible because what we have done, no matter what we've done, it's been paid for. It's been paid for. It's done. 
This is the confidence which we have before him in 1 John 5.14, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, God desires us to have confidence, and this is a law of faith, that it, we have to confidently come before our Father. And if our heart is lacking confidence because we've condemned ourselves, because of, oh, I'm not worthy, we, we're, gonna admit, we're not going to see the flow of power. We're not going to see faith move because we've condemned ourselves. I just know, I mean, because, um, I mean, this is just such a big issue. And we've got to understand that Romans 8.1 says, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. And yet, so why do we condemn ourselves? I mean, obviously we do. I mean, John taught, said it. I mean, it's possible we condemn ourselves, even though the truth says otherwise. It's because why? Because we just have this law mentality that God can't possibly love me. Look what I've done. Look how I've messed up. Can he really love me? And so we put that on ourselves because we think, oh, I couldn't love me. How could God love me? <laughs> we serve such an awesome God. We serve such an awesome God. Look at this, says in, 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 in Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and confident access. How? Through faith. Even when we blow it, we have to be able to say to ourselves, you know what? In faith, I'm still going to the, I'm, I, I still have access. I still have access. You know, I think we've all watched sports on television of one form or another, right? We've all watched team sports. And if you've watched team sports at all, you'll, you've watched enough, you know, football or whatever it is. I'll use football as an example because that's one of my favorite sports. But you all, you'll often see the, you know, the swing of momentum in a game, Right? And you'll see often, I've seen some, over the years I've watched football, I've seen some incredible comebacks and seen the, what the momentum change in a game. And they talk about this. What is momentum? Is it, you know, if, if from physics, it's mass times velocity. But, you know, go, wait, that, does that make sense? Well, it kind of does. Because mass is what everybody agreeing, everybody together going in the same direction. That's momentum. Everybody going in the same direction. It's confidence in what is happening. It's a collective confidence. That's what momentum is. It's believing in oneself. I mean, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man believes within himself, what? So he is. When you have confidence and collective confidence, you believe you can do it, what happens? It's a law of faith. You can overcome. You can do it. Even the unbelievers can access that law of faith. But what happens oftentimes, when they don't see the results, what they start losing confidence instead of, because they have no ability to see beyond. Because faith is what? Not just in what you see, but it's in the unseen. True faith. It's to believe in yourself even when the obstacles before you are, are negative. Often, I see in, our, in my life, I've often said, I've seen negative things, and I think, oh, God doesn't love me. That's not that way. It's not that way at all. That's an opportunity to act in faith, and it's an opportunity to rise up. And so choking is just the opposite, right? When you see someone, a team choke, <laughs> you know, just go down the tubes, it's a collective what? Unbelief. And it's the same thing. They're believing unbelief. They're believing they can't do it, and what happens? They don't do it. They miss it. We see that in, in natural, and it, 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 we can see that ex expressed in the spiritual, too. It's just, It's powerful. Collective confidence is powerful. 
in a body of Christ. And we have confidence together as a body, as a dwelling place, to go before Jesus. We're going to see powerful things. We have to understand. It's not, a, it's not what we've done. It's not who we are. It's Him. It's His love for us. It, it's just so great. Look at the scripture in Hebrews 4.16. It says, therefore, let us draw near, what? With confidence to the throne of grace. Listen to this. So that we may receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. You know, here's another spiritual law of faith. It says, receive mercy. Mercy is something we receive. Mercy is what? Is is forgiveness when we've blown it, right? But what do you do with, with grace? You have to find it. Why? Because you have to find it with faith. Grace is released by faith. I think oftentimes we think that, well, God, just you know, let your grace, you know, in other words, take us to another place. And God wants to do that. He wants to pour out immeasurable grace. But we have to receive grace by faith. We have to say, yes, Lord. We have, faith is, I mean, grace is released through faith. All right, let's just sum this portion up. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, again, he's paid for it, and that's our confidence. It doesn't, because of what we've done, doesn't be anything we have to do. It's the only thing we have to do is what the word of God says is to believe. That's the only thing we have to do. By a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with sincere heart, full in full assurance what, of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. In other words, let the, let the, Lord, let the blood of Jesus completely set us free from that condemnation, set us free from you know, uh, the lack of confidence that we have, condemning heart, all of that. And our bodies washed with pure water, which is the word of God. You know, I find it really interesting. Again, if we go back to the prodigal son, that story. You know, the son, even though he was, if you look at him, he was really in rebellion, wasn't he? I mean, he was, he was jealous and he was, he was kind of being, you know, he was naughty. He needed a spanking. And yet he, he knew his inheritance. He knew he could confidently go to the father and ask for his inheritance. You know, we don't have that same confidence. You know, when we, again, when I blow it, I, I lack confidence. My heart condemns me. And that's a wrong attitude. Even, in my, even when I am blowing it, I still have access to the throne room. I still have access. Problem is, you know, if we're in sin, we just fail to see. But the thing is, that the the treasures in the, in the inheritances of God don't change just because we've missed it. Okay? Okay, last but not least, Satan. Ah, yes. Our great adversary. Um, Satan can do th- three things. He, he can deceive us. He can accuse. He's accuser of the brethren. And he puts what he puts temptations before us, right? Doorways. Now, temptations are just temp- we don't have to do that. 
I mean, we can choose not to go through the door. Accusations, we can choose not to respond in our flesh to accusations. You know, when I was accused of teaching something at Virginia Tech that I believe is truth and I know to be true, and I was accused of teaching, you know, to them heresy and getting blasted and losing my promotion as a result, I could have easily responded in the flesh and said, you, and I could have probably taken it to some judicial court on, on tech. But, you know, it's not about that. You know, it's just, I'm not going to respond in the same way that the enemies responded to me. I'm believing, I'm trusting in my God. My God's my redeemer. You know? You know, so let's, and let's, so let's just understand that. So the only way, deception, lies, that is really the only way that Satan has any power or authority over us is when we believe his lies, when we have, have taken them into our heart and sown them into our heart. That's why we oftentimes need to be, what, set free from strongholds and be delivered because, what, we believe his lies. That's his only power over us. But there's something really, really great here I want to I point out. I mean, it's one big point. So let's start with 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, but now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, you're probably wondering, I'm talking about Satan. How in the world would I get to, you know, 1 Corinthians 13? First of all, it's important to know that I've been talking about the law of faith. And faith is founded in love. We have faith because he loved us first. We can't have faith without love. We can't have hope without love. It's the foundation. That's why he said the greatest of these is love. Love is the foundation. His love for us. Him sending his son. We love because he first loved us. They're inextricably linked. You can't separate them. Okay? Now, in saying that, you're going to probably, you know, if you can think ahead now about where I might be going with this. Let's look at Romans 15, 13. It says, now many, no, excuse me, now, uh, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? In believing. Joy and peace come from believing. It's, it's the fruit of the Spirit. When we believe, we're going to operate in the what? The fruit of the Spirit. And joy and peace are fruit, facets of the fruit of believing so that you will abound in hope. So in other words, faith helps us to abound in hope. What is hope? What is hope? I mean, I think Rick talks about it this way. Hope is the projection of our faith. That's like he, I think he uses the flashlight example, right? That, that hope is the flashlight. That's when our, our, the projection of faith onto Jesus thing is that what you understand about hope um, is that hope is a future tense verb. It's future tense. So is faith. Because you don't hope for what you already have. You don't have faith in what you already see. Right? It's what you're hoping for. It's something to happen. So well, let me, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's read these two other scriptures really quick. So that it's a law of faith, in other words, that hope abounds when we start believing. We gain more hope. In other words, if we've lost our hope, we have to ask ourselves, 
have I really, in my faith, is, is being compromised. Because if I'm losing hope, I don't, I'm like, oh, I'm hopeless. And, ah, that's a signal my faith has been eroded or corrupted. I need to get right, I need to see, you know, I need to get my, in the word of God. Because why? Faith comes from hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. If you're hopeless, get into the word of God. That's a spiritual truth. Okay. Second Corinthians um, 2.13 says, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. Okay? So he's chosen us. It's his love. It's, be, it's because of what he has done. In 1 John 4.10, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent himself, uh, or his son, to be a propitiation for our sins. Okay, now let's go to Hebrews 11.1, 1, because this is the verse that everybody uses. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That word assurance can also mean, it's a substance. In other words, it's real. Faith is a real thing. It's not some ethereal thing. It's real. It's got value. Faith is the assurance of what things hoped for. Again, it's projected where? Into the future. The conviction of things not seen. So hope and faith are tied to the future through what? Through love. We can't possibly hope or have faith without his love in us. And that is why the things of God, the things of the Spirit, Satan can do nothing with or about. Because there is no love in Satan, so Satan can have no hope. He has no faith. He cannot see the things of the Spirit. He cannot understand the things of the Spirit. And that is why when Jesus said, you know, Satan has nothing in me. Take heart, I've overcome the world. How can he say that? Why? Because Satan had nothing in him because why? He was working in the Spirit. He was operating in the things of the Spirit for which Satan cannot see and operate. Satan can only operate in the past, or in the present and in the past. How does he focus? He focuses on how you messed up. He focuses on what you've done wrong, how you're not worthy. And that's when, when we start believing and looking backward at what we've done instead of forward at what he's already done for us, we're going to miss it. But when we walk in the Spirit, Satan can't do anything. He can't look and see the promises that God has for us. He can only look at the here and now. He can only accuse us of what we've done, not what we're going to do. He doesn't know. He can't see that. And we often give Satan way more credit. Oh, he's going to steal this or steal that from me. No, he can't. When we're operating in the Spirit, there's nothing that Satan can do. There's nothing he can do. And we see this, you know, firsthand in the Word of God, actually. You know, if the Word says that, you know, you might ask, my, you know, in, in James 2.19, it says, what, what says that Satan believes and shudders? Isn't believing faith? Well, no. I mean, it's like me saying, I believe that Mitch is sitting here. It doesn't take faith for that. I believe he's there. Why? Because I see him. Well, Satan has seen, you know, God. He was, he, was, he was in the garden. He was, you know, he was with God. He's seen God do all these things. But it's all past tense. So Satan knows that God exists. That's what he's talking about. It's not a faith kind of thing. It's not a projection into the future. So we need to get that right. But remember, faith 
here's the thing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. You know, the Word of God, when it's implanted, I mean, Satan cannot stop that from happening. You cannot stop it from happening because you have to receive the Word by faith. Satan has no access to that. And we see this firsthand in the parable of the sower. So let's turn to the parable of the sower. And this is something, you know, I had never seen before. So let's read through this. It says, it says we're right at the very end here, so put up with me for another minute. It says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, we've already read this verse, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been, what, sown in his heart. This is the one that what, the seed has been sown uh, beside the road. The one whom the seed was sown on the, on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but only temporary. And when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the, the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes what unfruitful. And the one on whom the seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it. Yes, he understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some to 100, some to 60, and some to 30. Notice something that is consistent in all of these is that Satan could not stop the seed from being planted. Why not? Because the word of God is received by faith. He can't stop anything that is done in faith. Satan can't do anything that is done by faith. He has nothing, and that's why he's saying we can overcome the world. How do we, what's the, what's, it goes on to say in 1 John 4, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. What? Our faith. He spoke it. Satan doesn't, can't do anything when we operate in faith. All he can do is continue to accuse us, continue to get us to operate in the things of our path or with the lies we believe. That's it. But when we operate in faith, there's nothing we can't do. All things will be possible for us who believe. All things. And when we get a hold of these truths, these laws of faith, I believe there's, we're going to see our tremendous things happen. Power, the flow of power in this body of Christ. I believe that. Do you believe that? Amen. I'm just trying to think. I mean, do you, any, you guys have any uh, ways you want to wrap this up? You know, I just, I just know that probably like me, I mean, we, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I've condemned myself. I often, I've walked in a place of very religion of believing that, well, if I don't do this or that, that God's not going to love me or his favor's not going to be upon me or he's going to cause me harm or he's going to cause bad things to happen or when bad things happen, it's because God doesn't love me or, you know, I'm not doing things right. All that is a bunch of lies. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us to start focusing because when we operate in faith, he knows, Satan knows that he can't see that. He can't, he can't thwart it. When we're in faith, you know, it's only after the seed's been planted, you notice that Satan can do stuff because we start believing his lies. When, the, the, you know, the trouble comes, and we go, oh, no, because we start not, not operating by faith. In faith, there's nothing that can stop. That's powerful. 
it set me free to know those truths. And we need to operate in truth. You know, we have to start praying correctly, praying effectively, believing, and claiming what God has given us, asking for the right things, and claiming the things that God has already given us authority and power for. So, Mitch? Amen. Well, I think we started this journey oh, probably a year and a half, two years yeah. ago. In this faith, and God, I think God keeps bringing it back to us because He's not going to let us. He's not going to let us. Um, he's just—he's not going to let it die. I mean, the reality is, is that faith is this place that overcomes. And I was thinking of two really passages, quick, just quickly in relationship to the response of this. And is Ben is Ben still here? He, Ben, Ben. Um, just a, a response to this because I was thinking about two two responses because I think. Ultimately, anytime you hear a word like this, sometimes a sensitive people like myself, you know, sometimes you take that inwardly and you start beginning to feel like, well, maybe I guess God could be just disappointed me, angry at me. Uh, Allison Keys has even gotten a word uh, in relationship to that, that God's not angry, disappointed. And because I think about like, when you think about Peter, when he got out on the water, you know, Jesus said, come. And so he gets out and he steps out into the water, right? And, I mean, to me, like, that's, I mean, I, was, I spoke about that when we were speaking about faith. To me, like, ultimately, gosh, the guy got out and walked on water. How many of us would have gotten out of the boat, right? So the guy gets out on the water, but then he starts doing what? Looking somewhere else other than Jesus to the winds and the waves. And what did he do? He sunk. And then he got kind of, I feel, it feels like a rebuke of some sort when God says, you man of what? little faith. Why did you doubt? So was he saying, Mitch, you're just a man of little faith because you prayed for this person. They didn't come through or things didn't come through. No, I think what he was saying to Peter is like, like, you got to quit looking at the winds and waves. That's the, that's what he was asking Peter. You know, he, I, I really think he was saying, because the, cool, the hard part about it is that I could get out on the water all day long but if after getting out on the water and I sink and I perish, I'm not sure what the water did, right? I mean, I, pre- I think the Lord was saying, I think he's saying, I appreciate that. Like, you, like, get out on the water, but don't sink either because don't start looking at the winds and waves. I felt like the Lord was saying, some of us have been consumed by winds and waves, and we need to come and respond to that and get that off of us so that we can move on. <laughs> the other one was, you know, that Luke 9 passage when, you know, it says when the days were approaching for God's ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for Jesus, but they did not receive Jesus because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. And then his disciples say, James and John, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? I'm like, where did that faith come from? Like, what, I mean, of course, Jesus rebukes him and says, wait, you know, that's not really the spirit that I came, came in. You know, I didn't come. Right? They didn't, they, but they, they knew something in them said they could do it. You know what it was? Where had they just been? Anybody remember where they had just gone? To the transfiguration? Man, when you're unveiled in the presence of God, you're before him, just as Tom was saying. When you get in his word and in his presence, like, I'll call fire. I'll believe I can fuck. Now, that wasn't the right spirit. But I will believe I can do it. Why? Because I've 
will have been with him, and he can do all. And so I just want us to stand and um, just feel like the Lord is saying, you know, if you need prayer this morning in relationship to any of the five things that he spoke, the hindrances to our faith, but especially this Peter thing in relationship to some of us have felt, maybe, well, gosh, I've just disappointed God, or, you know, I got out on the wave, and then I, I mean, I got out on the water, and then I just, I got sucked into the wind and waves. You just need to come and get re, remember, God holds you by the right hand. He picks you up out of that. That is a place. And so if that's you, any of this applies, just come on up. We're just going to pray and just stand here, and we're going to have some people pray. Because I feel like the Lord is just saying that these are moments that I can activate my faith in. Some of that's just coming and saying, God, I just want that, that winds and waves. It's been consuming me. So, Lord, I just pray right now, any, anyone in here in this place, that winds and waves and just the worries and crazy cares of the world has been trying to choke out faith, choke out your word, or has been trying to steal it. God, I just pray right now, they just come and, and just stand on this laminate and just say, God, I, I'm here, and I'm wi- willing and ready to say, God, I, I want the winds and the waves gone. So just come, just come. In. And maybe the, the second one applied in relationship to, you know, oh, well, the reality is, is I just, I just need to get before the Lord. Some of you just need to come and get before the Lord and just say, God, just re-enact, regenerate that relationship, regenerate that time and presence of your word. And so, Lord, I just pray that, God, right now in Jesus' name, God, some of us just need to activate that, that faith and just come. Just come in this place. So, Lord, we just, we, we believe you. We believe your word, God. We just act on, Lord God, just that place of that faith that you've declared in your word. God, that you've given all of us a measure of faith, God. You've, you've already distributed it. God, continue to empower us just as Tom spoke to understand it. Lord, if some of us just don't understand where we're at, God, I just pray you come and come find understanding here in this place, God. If, if maybe just the craziness of, or maybe sin, or sins try to uh, strangle and, and choke out the word or, or, uh, or maybe it's just this place where the enemies try to deceive or tempt us out of our inheritance in this faith. I just encourage you to come and just get freedom for this morning. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for that, God. I'm just going to wait on you just a second. Lord, we just, we just believe, God. Just believe, Lord. Lord, that you're wanting to do a work in that. Lord, we bless you, Lord. God, just take us to that place where we're with you, Lord. Even James and John, where they were with you, Lord, unveiled, un- Lord, that transfiguration. They saw all of you, and they knew that they knew. Because they had been in those times of doubt. They had been, and they weren't able to, to do the, the fish and the loaves. Lord, you did that. Lord, they were in that place, but then all of a sudden they could come back and say, God, bring fire from heaven. Why? Because they had been with you. So, Lord, I'm just, I just believe in God. We just can take that step of faith this morning. And, Lord, we're going to see, just as Tom declared, God, that momentum in the, in the spirit. I just pray right now over dwelling place, the momentum in the spirit, Lord, just rise up, God, that we begin to believe together. God, I, I know that, Lord, we've been through a crazy season of life in the, in the house of God in this place, Lord. And, but, God, I just thank you that I don't have to look according to what's behind or what's according to what's, in, what's to the side of me, the winds and the waves. But I can look forward to you 
having my eyes fixed on yours, the author and perfecter of our faith. And God, you can take us, Lord, in this place, to dwelling place, to, to glory to glory. God, and I'm, I'm believing that, God. I see that. And Lord, I, I know that there's continued battles to be fought and won, but God, I thank you that, God, I, Lord, I can see that now. And Lord, I just pray that over dwelling place. I pray that over the body of Christ. God, we can have momentum momentum in the spirit, not only because we know we've won, but Lord, we know that, Lord, just as uh, he's declared, God, that nothing can overcome our faith. We overcome this world, our faith, God. So, Lord, I just bless you this morning. So, I'm just, that's it. Um, about their way through worship this morning, all of a sudden, I really sense that somebody had dealt with anger before they come in this service this morning, and anger is really a lack of faith. Anger is really thinking everything should be in my control and not God's. And that can cut off a lot of things in our life. So if you struggle with that this morning, please come forward so we can pray. So, Lord, I do pray for that as well, God, that you just declare that the anger of man does not bring, bring about the righteousness of God. So, Lord, we just want to lay that down, God. We want to lay that down so that, Lord, we can take up faith. We can take up, Lord, that which you've distributed, which you've declared into us. And so, Lord, we bless you. We honor you. We honor you this morning, Lord. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Everything that's within us, Lord. We bless your name, God. And, Lord, we thank you for all of So, Lord, I'm just going to take this opportunity to release you. Uh, if you want more, if you want prayer, we got some people that will pray with you. Uh, otherwise, we want to release you. Have a crazy, awesome day of the kingdom of God. And enjoy one another. Hug one another as you go out. Love on one another. But if you need anything else, prayer-wise, we'll be here to pray. Love you guys. You're released. <laughs>